how am I doing, Luke? I'm 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 okay. I'm not in despair yet. How dare you despair? Christ is Lord. This is his church. How dare you? I'm telling you how you should feel. Like everyone did on my Facebook wall. Yeah. Yep. We're an Easter people and hallelujah is our song. Well, I don't want to sing it right now, everybody. Because right now it feels like Holy Friday, right, Von Balthazar? Actually, he would say uh, Holy Saturday. No, that's what I meant. Did I say Holy Friday? I meant Holy Saturday. Who calls it Holy Friday? It's Good Friday. Anywho. No, are you tired? I am so tired. <laughs> I just got back from uh, my mom's house. She arranged a lovely meal with me and her pastor and my dad, so that I could get a speaking gig at a church. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. Go, mom. Yep. We talked about obesity. <laughs> What's on everyone's mind right now? There's a squirrel on some skis. <laughs> Not much to see here. Rome is burning. Rome is burning. <laughs> you know what's like really sad? I actually had this is like a, this is a like real moment. So I went to confession again because I'm just like going because I just need like all all of the graces that I possibly can <laughs> right now. And um, I went to eat at Penn Station afterwards because there's one like there's one like right by. And they started playing Ace of Base. I saw the sign while I was eating, and it was so comforting. <laughs> like, so, Katie, you're, like, young, so you probably don't all remember when that song was big. I saw it, the sign. First CD I, I, I ever I know owned. the song. <laughs> I don't think I owned a CD of it, but I know the song. <laughs> it, like, I, I honestly felt so comforted. And then they played How to Really uh, Have You Ever Really Loved a Woman, which is a song I haven't heard since I was 12. And I was like, I used to love this song when I was like a chubby 10-year-old kid with poofy hair. <laughs> I forgot. I love Brian Adams. Not, not like Ryan Adams. Ryan Adams. <laughs> and it soothed me in a way that I didn't deserve. I was in an Uber today going from Baltimore to D.C. to see my sister and the Uber driver, no joke, played the Ghostbuster theme song four times in a row. <laughs> and, like, I, I I didn't really notice it until, like, the second time through. I was like, this is a really long version of the Ghostbusters theme. And then, like, I watched him click, like, the repeat button. And four times. There you go. In the drive. And, like, I was comforted by the Ghostbusters theme song. I feel like somebody needs to play that while they, like, walk up to Pope <laughs> Francis's apartments. Be like, who are you going to call? Just like holding it up outside <laughs> like in that yeah. one film. It's just yeah. Ghostbusters. Uh, should, yeah. I mean, it's a weird time. Uh, so if you guys can't tell, we're here with Katie Pregene McGrady. Do I say all three names or just two or how do I do this now? Yeah. You, um, yeah. yeah. Hi, guys. <laughs> hey. So I thought it'd be cool to have you on because we've talked a bit on the onlines. And uh, just like there's no real set thing to talk about besides just how we doing. Yeah, how, how are we doing? doing? I have a few thoughts of some other things that we can talk about, but like right now, it's just more like how, like this is, um, I mean, it's a, triage. Yeah, like this, we are we are witnessing history in a very unique way, and um, it's it's horrible, and let's make no bones about that. It is quite horrible, but um, yeah, I just I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, there, what else can we talk about right now? You know? Yeah. No, it's it's true. I mean, it's kind of like it, it's dominated the Twitter. Um, but like I, I, I was texting my mom today 
And and just said like another you know another report dropped this time about like why Francis fired Cardinal Mueller and I was just like I'm just tired of seeing all this stuff and she's like what stuff you know like my mom's a daily mass going Catholic <laughs> and she's like kind of clueless about some of this and I think that's a, I think a lot of us are really really swept up in it um, because that's our world but like I think I, I don't know I know personally I'm swept up in it because I kept I keep reading all of it. And I keep talking about all of it and like I keep thinking about all of it because I feel like if I don't, then I'm going to miss some element of the truth be emerging. But like nothing's really emerged that we know for sure. So it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And it, it's just it's a weird place to be in. Yeah, I would say that to me, the most frustrating part of it all is how many people I love and respect say that they have nothing but the highest esteem for Vagano. That Vagi, mm-hmm. Vagiano, Vagan, <laughs> Italian. Vigano, 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 Vigano. Okay, there you go, like Figaro. Yeah, um, yeah, like Figaro. Yeah. Th- how much they love and respect it, so they trust what he revealed, even though they themselves might not know, blah, blah, blah. They trust what he revealed because he's always been a man of integrity and a man who loves the mm-hmm. church and all this stuff. Um, you know, I don't, like, that's what's making so much of this so difficult for me, is I don't doubt any of that. Mm-hmm. And... The timeline seems a little wonky. It's not clear cut, which really infuriates me. I want it to be clear cut, and uh, nothing is clear cut. Um, all that would take, this is literally east, uh, uh, left and right. We can come together if only McCarrick would open his mouth. All yep. this is swept yep. away when McCarrick says, you know what? I was censured, but this is what the censure was under Benedict. Pope Francis thought I was a gay man, and I told him, oh, that was in my younger years, even though people said I corrupt, you know, no, 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 none of that. Like, I'll forward your liberal agenda if you help me, you know, become the priest, globetrotting mutant that I want to be. And, and no, and but the narrative yeah. is McCarrick's super, super, like, gross and and rapey. And so you have these <laughs> seminarians who are being whisked off to his beach house bed so you know this you know there's five men and two minors and all sorts of horribleness so that's true and you know that he was francis's man in the states kind of and then you got tobin and then you got Kupich, and then you got all this stuff that people that i've heard plenty of rumors about that they're like they're not orthodox they're not conservative whatever i don't equate conservative with orthodoxy i try mm-hmm. to equate orthodoxy with orthodoxy and I just, it's its making me lose my mind because I'm like, okay, well, we need to, you can't have one party evidence. You have to have more evidence to implicate 30, 30 prelates. Like, this mm-hmm. is serious. And yet people are. Uh, s- define for, for the people what is a prelate. A uh, prelate comes from the Latin compound pre, meaning before, and late, meaning latte. <laughs> Higher up church officials is, is really all I mean to say because it in- involves cardinals it involves aides to cardinals it involves bishops and archbishops it involves people who sit on um the various committees and councils that help the pope make this people are like well give it to rome well, what's that? there's 200 plus bishops in the u.s how is he, he supposed to know every single one of them and all that stuff? so he has uh you know college of bishops to help him and this and that and the other well then it's like yeah but they're bad guys that are in it and they're questionable and they're or are they that's what the conservatives are saying and so you just have this tit for tat that is endless. And that's mm-hmm. what's most infuriating to me. So, we, you know, we got people at our church who 
you know, my church is majority, you know, fairly conservative oil industry kind of, kind of people. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so the, you know, there's a, some people at my parish that were suspicious of Francis. I, I had one person say, you know, uh, I, w- I said something like, this is like one of the worst days of my life. And she responded, the worst day of my life was, you know, whatever, March 13th, 2013, when Francis was elected. And I'm like, oh my gosh, come on. That was a wonderful Say, day. See, saying stuff like that, Man. it's just like, this is the vast right-wing conspiracy, right? Like, that's right. when it gets a nutty when you're just like, when you say the things like, um, you know, I saw, I look, one guy literally said, I looked into his cold eyes and all I saw was deadness and I knew I couldn't trust him. And you're like, dude, he's a liberal. It's not the end of the world. I, and, and I'm a conservative in most ways. I don't know. I mean, I'm. Probably not. not. You're not the right kind of conservative. But I some. think I'm old, like the funny thing is like I'm very like communitarian, idealist, small government radical guy, and I feel like I'm taking crazy sauce when I'm like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't. Oh, I don't know. Accuse blindly the Pope, and but you have plenty of really good people who are saying this isn't blind. This is stuff that's happening. Now, and I do know people that do curious stuff, and they're like, yeah, no, I've been to Rome, and you want to lose your faith when you go there because of this stuff. Yeah. I had a priest tell me one time that the priests in Rome, working in Rome, are the are the men that could never be pastors anywhere else <laughs> because they're so inept. And, like, I mean, he said it kind of tongue-in-cheek and, like, jokingly, but, but how much—I I don't even want to use the word corruption because, like, that sounds super political, but how— let's say disorganized and things can get lost very easily slash everybody has like their own private agenda. And like, I, I mean, even just at the precinct, like they changed the schedule on us like two or three times. And it was just like, get your stuff together, guys. Like you printed this weeks ago. Let's like stick to it. And that's the American efficiency in me. <laughs> but like, like I, who's running this, the French. <laughs> right. It, basically. Right. Not, I'm half French and I'm saying like, it just, it's not. I don't the, even have a baguette. It's the Italians. Um, <laughs> yeah. The Italians. And like, you know, I, I texted a priest friend of mine after the Vigano letter dropped. It's fun to say. Um, not fun to say. <laughs> I think about, my word is. I, I think mine's. Yeah, your words. I'm just not going to say that on air. Um, I can. I'm somebody's mother. <laughs> not um, mine. <laughs> nope. Um, but I, I was like, so what do we do now? And he said, we just be holy. I was like, that's not an answer. I need like a real yeah. answer. Like, what do we yeah. do with this? And he said, it's very Italian. So you can only like believe half of it. <laughs> well, and, and I just, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's weird because, okay, so I'm, I'm going to approach this from the standpoint of a person who works at a diocese. Oh, here we go. Let's this... start bragging. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I'm the one who's always like terrified that I'll be out of a job in a week. Anyway, <laughs> maybe you shouldn't have done a podcast with me. That was a big mistake. <laughs> like, everyone, please give your diocese. Oh, God. Yeah. I have bills. Um, uh, we're doing good stuff finally. Good stuff. Um, okay. So there's this aspect to his letter that it's like, well, did like that I think it's kind of tough for especially us as Americans because we're so all or nothing. It's like, well, did like the Pope like did like Public Benedict, did like he like censor him or not? Like, did was he was he was um was he not condemned, but was he ordered to to, to like life of penance or like not? And it's just not always that simple. Because what authority does the Pope actually have? What, how did he, how did like he word that? Did he say I like recommend that you do this, or is it like it would be best if you did this? Or we think and you're, you know like, and mm-hmm. and he's going to respect the because con- it all comes down to not all of it, but like 
canon law can get really tricky here, but it's also really important. So one of the big things about the Figano uh, thing, sorry, the Figano thing, um, <laughs> about like his like letter, and I just make jokes because it's so horrible. Um, yeah. Is you're right, like what like what's up with the timeline? Why is he out with like McCarrick at certain events? Why is McCarrick out in Rome with like Pope Benedict after all this stuff yeah. happened? And I can mm-hmm. easily see a thing where the Pope says, You should do this, you like need to do that, but he doesn't go along with it, and the Pope's not gonna overstep his bounds because he mm-hmm. kinda can't. Yeah. There's a line that keeps circulating where like Benedict in a meeting with somebody, pointed at a door and said, my authority ends there. And my authority ends two feet outside that door. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what it was. Yes. Yeah, so it's like, you know, they, they can only, uh, technically, a nuncio cannot control a cardinal. Um, so, like, McCarrick, who, who, let's say, by all intents and purposes, is a sociopath, right? Like, he did these things, and he tricked everybody into believing he was this good and holy man, and, like, we know that he was doing these dastardly things. And, and like, of course he's not going to listen to a sanction once yeah. it's it's leveled against him um and you know and some people are saying well he was such a great fundraiser like you can only get away with such horrible things because you were doing some good right so like everybody kind of ignores the bad stuff because you're raising money and and you're advancing the mission of the church while also you know <laughs> abusing the young men who are discerning the priesthood like it's just it's so effed up for lack of a better way to put That's it the only way and to put it <laughs> it's yeah. the only way to put it and like if ever there's an appropriate time to use an F-bomb in reference to the church and what's happening inside, it's now. And, like, I just keep going back to, is this what the devil has had planned all along? And are we watching the greatest spiritual warfare of our generation play out? And I th- I think the answer to that is, is well, yeah. I think the answer is a definite <laughs> <So>. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> just... <laughs> I am 100% certain that I have 0% knowledge of what I'm going to do. Um but like I just I I keep asking myself what's next and I don't even know how we move forward without knowing the actual truth from start to finish. And I don't know that we ever will. And that's the thing that I kind of wish the Pope it's it's tough, right? Because as yeah. Catholics, I I like the Pope. I'm one of those right of like center catholics who really just thought france was adorable when he first got into office i mean yeah. just his face i remember seeing the so i was the unprincipled of a of a school when he when he was elected into office and it was the coolest thing to see like 10 year olds freak out when he like you know they were screaming they were all almost clapping it was the most incredible and i was like this is i will i won't ever forget i, I remember having a thought going this is one of those things i'm going to uh, i'm gonna like remember on like on my deathbed and, like that was awesome and up until the letter, I was still kind of like holding out hope on certain things. I mean, there were other, there are, there are things that he did that that I loved, um, and things I'm like, well, that's a little bit weird. <laughs> um, but his response on the plane just made me go, "You need to shepherd us right now. We need you." Like yeah. I don't think I've been madder about this whole thing than when I read his statement. And I can tell you that people yeah. who are very calm and measured people at my parish who are just parishioners were dropping F-bombs to me <laughs> about that. They're like, yeah. just answer the freaking question. 
Just just say yeah. something. Say something. I am dying here. And you gave the worst. Yeah. You didn't give a... Oh, shit. I just spilled coffee all over my keyboard. I was so animated. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Burning hot coffee on my fingertips. Damn it. <laughs> uh, Patreon.com slash CF, everyone. <laughs> Patreon.com slash CF. The funny thing was, when that person was screaming at me, they spilled coffee on me, too. No, but they, but they were saying... And we need your Patreon uh, uh, help to fix this keyboard. Yeah. Patreon.com slash CF. We, okay, so let me, let me say this right along those lines. We had a woman uh, who listened to our episode, said we are the only ones speaking what she is saying. So she stopped tithing to the diocese and tithed to us. That's wow. talking about speaking truth to power. But, uh, but the person, going back to the thing, they're like... Yeah. I am dying here. I am. I am. I am on a tree branch, and I feel like that statement was the Pope just sawing the branch. And I'm like, well, I'm gonna fall any yeah. second now. Not like leave the church, but like we're losing our minds. This needs to be like the Pope acts unilaterally in the way other popes have never done in the past in certain areas. Like, hey, here's a process. Oh, you're just going to sidestep the process? Okay, there you go. Uh, and he does it because he's the Pope, and he knows he can do it. And JP2 did a little stuff like that. But he also trusted the process, which was a problem in hindsight now. We know that yeah, bishops were being yeah. recommended who were terrible. Um, and cover-ups were happening under JP2's watch, which is terrible. Um, but at the same time, it's like, okay, well, all this stuff has come out, and it was planned by uh, Vigano. How do you say his name? Vigano. 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 It was planned by him to be released when to force the Pope to speak about it on the airplane. Okay, so he admits that that's what he did. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I'm hearing all this, I'm like, okay, well, obviously he's getting, he can't prepare, which is kind of the point. What are we going to do? And I feel like Pope Francis, while I do not want my universal shepherd being hemmed into a corner, this is a kind of a big deal. The Washington, D.C. Archbishop, the Cardinal, is being implicated in widespread, basically gerrymandering of the appointment of bishops, uh, rewarding with sexual favors, all this stuff. Give me something. And it's like, well, you look it up. You're a professional journalist. And it's like, but I'm not. I'm not the professional journalists aren't paying for the church, aren't dying and sweating and evangelizing. Come in here. This is where the Lord crucified and raised wants to give you new life. And it's like, Bleh. and then Kupich, Kupich yeah. with the, with the, the most discreet. So yeah. I, you know, we had that, that came up in the town hall and the, this guy says, I love my church and I will never leave. But to hear the Cardinal of Chicago say, we've got more important things to discuss than the abuse of our seminarians. The environment and migration and refugees. And this one woman yelled out, it's being politicized. Blah, blah, blah. And, uh, we, you know, we had to keep everyone quiet. because Everyone wants to shout out from the pews. And it's like, no, 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 come on, come on, come on. If you want to say something, get in line. Of course, they didn't. But, and I, you know, that's the reality is everything is politicized. Unless you're not 100% on my side, you're the enemy. And I can't deal anymore with this crap. All I care about is Cardinal DiNardo's statement. Listen, these are huge claims. We have to investigate them so the innocents don't get don't suffer and the guilty don't keep doing their thing. So, so in short, I want to go and cry. What do you guys want to do? Maybe eat some ice cream. <laughs> I need a drink. Well, I would give you some coffee, but it's all over my keyboard right now. <laughs> Damn. I like that keyboard too. We're going to have to get a new black one from the Apple store. 
$200. <laughs> Patreon.com slash CF, everyone. <laughs> Patreon.com slash CF. Uh, hey, you guys talk while I go clean up my coffee spill. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I um, I don't know, Luke. I mean, we, we were we were batting it around before Gomer joined the call. I, I'm not on the I'm not on the edge of the cliff, um, and I don't know that I would ever jump off the edge of the cliff and leave the church. But like, it is really I I, I feel like a kid that just needs a dad. Yeah, well, and or- like I have a real yeah I have a really good dad. Like I have a great father in 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 real life. Um, and I've had some great spiritual fathers and like, I love my Bishop of my diocese and he's an incredible shepherd and like has responded to everything with firm language and like has pointed to police reports. Like if we go back all the way to the Pennsylvania grand jury report, which feels like ages ago with all of this now, um, I, back in March, I sat in a room with Pope Francis and Cardinal Farrell and Cardinal Baldessari and like 300 other young adults. And like, I, I felt like I was sitting in the room with father Jorge from Argentina like that's how he spoke to us and that's how he approached us and that's how he like he took pictures with us and like I felt like like this is one of the best posts we've ever had in the history of the church look how personable look how look how much time he's spending with us look how look how much this is a priority for him and then I watched the the news you know I watched the clip from the plane and then read all the stuff and just like Gomer it was like what what are you doing buddy and like I've gone back and read what he said and it's like he doesn't say he doesn't deny it and he doesn't affirm it. He says to go investigate it. So like, I'm wondering if in his mind, he's saying, well, once you investigate it, you'll find that it's not true. But like, if that's, if that's what you're telling us to do and that's what you're telling us we're going to find, then just say that. And like, I can't help but believe, can he just not say that? Cause did he know? Like the question is, did you know about sanctions against McCarrick? And if he was even so much as told, Hey, some things have been done to kind of to kind of quiet McCarrick down, his answer would have to be yes. And you know how that would blow up. And you know that they'd be calling for his head. And so he can't say that. But, like, shouldn't he? Like, shouldn't the father take on the responsibility? Yeah, no, I agree. I I, I think this is when, like, I've um... – two thoughts on all this one is i've had a person describe this to me as just like a massive like failure of um, fatherhood yeah across, across the board so from the time this all i mean there are people who says this goes back to about like, i think like one person put a date on it, like um 1924 i think so now the colossal like just it's just like a failure to be a real father and i i think it's very interesting that you that you brought up your experience of of the Pope when you were in a room with him and he felt like a priest and you just felt like, wow, that's a, mm-hmm. I wonder, cause I think there is a, there's this real element to, to like, you know, to like his like papacy, which is the pastoral that he, he, um, I, I, I won't ever forget when he first came out, he looked so scared mm-hmm. and just like overwhelmed. He's like, like a deer in headlights. That's like his official yeah. papal picture too, where he's like, yep. Yep. "Hi," with his dead and beady I, like, eyes. I loved it. I thought it was great. <laughs> and but now, like, like I was like working for the church. You know, I've seen one of the things that was first told to me when I first started to work for the diocese was, "You're going to see the worst part of of uh, of like priest in this." And I thought it was going to be behind closed doors. Turns out that was wrong. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, you're going to see, and, and, and like what he was saying was like, or her, who knows who, who it was. Um, <laughs> you're going to see, you're going to see, the, you're going to like see the human side because over time that comes out. And, we, we, yeah. 
and I, I'm just like, man, if this is like the side of him that he, because like JP2 was able to like turn that on, you know, he mm-hmm. could, he was able to have that uh, cult like personality about him that was so unneeded. And I think like with like Benedict, you kind of had that a little bit, but, but also just this, you know, this just like intellectual giant who could speak truth to power in a way that was just insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the Pope, I just wondered, like, that's just like, I, could he have given any other response besides the one that he did from from like for for who he is? Mm-hmm. And it's disturbing because it's like, well, this is the failure that we see across the board. Yeah, which is why I think a lot of people are feeling this like tinge of you know desperation. Again, I love my Archbishop. I he's a good man. He is a good bishop. So this is not about him, mm-hmm. but there is a lack of trust in the in the american bishops that has been there for a very very long time because right now it's freaking hard to be catholic when the whole world seems to push against you when your own you know most of the adults that i work with they're really like isolated in at least like one area if not all areas one is just within their friends two is within with is within their co-workers or the third part is is within their own families sometimes their own spouse mm-hmm. because they're trying to practice a faith that is so counter cultural and in the eyes of of an increasingly a large amount of people wrong and almost evil and when you don't have the when you don't have the backing of the people who are in charge it's so disheartening and that is this on a colossal scale yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No. Go well, I just, I'm in I'm in Baltimore right now, and 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 I speak tomorrow to their youth ministers, like forty or fifty of their youth ministers, and like it's a it's my presentations on the synod, like what we did at the pre synod, and like what we can expect to come out of the synod in October on on young people, and I was prepping my slides on the flight, and I'm like, what is the point? Yeah. 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 Like, like I hate to say that because so much work has gone into this, but like nobody cares about that pre-synod document now. Nope. And come October, you, I can guarantee every news report that comes out of the synod, which is so important and so necessary at this time because we are bleeding young people in the church. Like nobody's going to care because it's going to result in a document that everybody's going to say is coming from a pope that won't answer questions, who's who's clouded by all of the suspicion and these allegations from an archbishop that's in hiding because he's not going to stand up and say this is the stuff and here's the proof. Like it's just it's a mess. It's a colossal mess. I mean, I'm still going to give my presentation, but it kind of feels pointless. Yeah. <laughs> like every time I go to the catholicnewsagency.com, every single time and if it's a story that has nothing to do with this crisis. I'm just like, what the, what, who, who cares that the Pope says family unity needs prayer? Like, I don't care. Like what? No, no. So, yeah. I, I, and like and, somebody I, in the Vatican needs to get on top of communications. Cause all this stuff breaks with Vigano and which like they're saying like McCarrick, you know, he manipulated it to be to- you know, Tobin to be the archbishop and the and the cardinal in Newark. And, and then Tobin gets appointed to the synod. And it's like, guys, yeah. y'all need to run PR interference. Yeah. Like, this is a nightmare. Let's, let's talk about Tobin was interjected into the synod. Yeah, he was appointed directly by Francis. And, yeah. uh, and as from the article that I read, none of the others were. They all went through the no. process. Right. So so what, what happens is the USCCB submits their names of who they want to go, essentially. 
um, as, as, as I understand it. Now, don't take this as gospel truth, but I'm pretty sure they submit their names. It's like, these are our guys that are boots on the ground in, you know, youth and young adult ministry. And then the Pope always has recourse to select who he wants. So like back with the family synod, he, he selected that Daniels guy who was known for like a cover up. Hmm. So like, all of that news is breaking, and then they announce, oh, and he's selected Tobin. It's like, guys, you have got to do a better job of figuring out when to release your 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 news. Like, that's just that's basic PR. Night-night, baby. Um, night-night, baby. Yeah. Well, and, and like, <laughs> uh, let me say this. Like, to put it out in the, ca- the Catching Foxes record, I spent an hour with Cardinal Tobin in June and, like, had one of the best conversations I've ever had with – a red hat, like a prince of the church. Like we talked about socks, uh, Catholic socks, because like he, he liked the Mary socks that I had on. And we talked about uh, how all of his siblings are still Catholic and how like that's his mother's greatest pride and joy. And so like I asked him, like, what's the secret sauce? Like, why are all your siblings still Catholic in a world where like people are leaving left and right? And he said something I, like I still reflect on it on the regular. He said that the church for us is home. And like I thought, and he was like, and we as we as bishops and we as priests and, and we as laymen and women working in the church need to make sure that we make the church a home. And like, I keep going back to that in the midst of all of this. I don't feel like I'm home right now. I feel like the wolves are circling and my dad left the building. I had a person just uh, tell me that she feels like this is, this is, this is like finding out that your dad's a rapist. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. Or that your dad covered for a rapist. Yeah. Yeah. Or that, yeah. You know, and it's. Or like that your dad didn't go kill the guy that was raping somebody who was coming to serve you. Man, we are really stretching this analogy. <laughs> yeah. sorry, sorry. No, what it's like sorry. is what it's like your dad has two rapists on speed dial. He hasn't called them, but he might if he gets drunk enough. The Oh, and he's on speed. This is super bored. He's on speed. Did I mention and he's Italian? cocaine in the back. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, one of the things that I want to say, um, so we did this town hall at my church. I'm going to make it about me. Uh, we had a panel of four lay people. And the goal was we did a presentation. I did one called uh, How Did We End Up Here, basically? How Did We Get Here? And I kind of did some, you know, Vatican II, Spirit of Vatican II, compromising on sexual teaching here and there. And, uh, you know, I shared a couple stories of friends I know that were in these so-called pink seminaries where they were sexually harassed and left and um, where they confronted the rector saying, hey, this stuff is happening. The rector got them in trouble. And this was 20 years ago, and it's since those things don't exist, uh, or the, excuse me, the seminary where this person was at radically cleaned up. It has zero reputation of that anymore, but this is all stuff that like people are struggling with and they hear all these, all this hearsay and stuff. And so I just kind of did a story so far kind of, kind of deal. And one guy came up and said, listen, here's the deal. I'm just going to say this. I don't think you should stop giving money to the church. I know some people think that. He said, but the first people who suffer are going to be the laity, like these four people here. They are employees of the church, and if you stop giving to the church, these people will lose their jobs well before a bishop or a priest does. And he says, so my advice to you, do what you want, but I would not do that. And then he goes and sits down, people applaud, you know, whatever. And then another guy gets up a little bit later, and he's like, I'm an engineer. We like to solve a problem. That's what we want to do. What's the problem? Identify it, and let's figure out solutions to solve it. And so he talks about all this stuff, and he's like, I feel like nothing's changed, yada, yada, yada. And he said, so in respect to the, what the gentleman said earlier, I think the only recourse we have is to not give them money. And I say that because in full knowledge of knowing, the good buildings that parishes need will not get built. The good people whose salaries deserve to be paid will not get paid. 
and people will complain and complain, and then the bishops will, lift, will, will listen. When the good people that are needed for the church suffer the most, that is when the apathetic will actually do something. And he's like, so I don't know about you. And just like the other gentleman said, I ain't going to tell you, you know, or something like that. And uh, he just said, but we're, I'm done giving to anything. And so a couple of people came up to me earlier or afterwards and they said, you know, what do you think about that? And I said, you know, I, I don't know what to think about it because I want to make stuff happen. I'm not afraid of a poorer church. I'm afraid of a poor Michael, but I'm not afraid of a poorer church because I think that maybe we'd be more authentic. However, um, I don't know. And then this person said, well, I'm just not going to give to the diocesan service fund. And another person said, well, I want to give to the diocesan service fund because that money's earmarked and they ethically can't move it from one container to another if it's earmarked for that. And then this other guy walked in and he says, say all you want, but the cathedraticum, the parish tax that pays the diocese, that still exists. So you have to be willing to starve your parish of funds so that the cathedraticum is starved of funds. Because he said that's a secret that people don't know about. There's a tax your parish play, pays mm -hmm. to keep the chancery going because they don't have ongoing collections and blah, blah, blah. And he says, so if, if your cathedraticum goes from, you know, $10 million a year to $1 million a year, maybe someone will listen. And he's like, and I want you to know. And he looked me right in the eyes and he's like, yep. I'm not giving any money. I'll give it to a survivor's fund, but I ain't giving any money to y'all. And I was like, okay. Okay, good thing my video on community groups just came out. Ascension <laughs> Presents. Yeah. Did you see it? Did you see it, Katie? I did. It's fantastic. Did you think it was hilarious? I, I, I literally was busting a gut and then texted Father Mike, you look different. Like, <laughs> just, I, was, I don't know if he, was if he knew what I was referencing. but yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you had that, Gomer. Oh, Luke, me and you are going to do some community groups. There's going to be some healing. When Christmas time comes and I can't um, feed my family. Uh, you know, <laughs> they'll just be like, oh, Gomer's got those community group stuff. He's got money. <laughs> yeah. I guess I should finally. Patreon.com slash CF, everybody. <laughs> Katie. So, like, okay, so. Oh, so good. Um, let me, like, like ask you guys this. In a, in a perfect world, everything, like, works out because uh, we hit the lottery. Um, like, what does, the <laughs> what does the church look like? So, five, ten years from right now, what does it look like? Well, I want bishops to stop retiring in mansions and start retiring sheets. Whoa, 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 whoa. A $2.3 million five-bedroom <laughs> house in San Francisco is what every retired bishop deserves. You know, to be fair to him, Silicon Valley does have some of the highest. No, it has the highest. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. um, but, like, again, PR people. Like, you have to have somebody in your communications office making sure that this kind of crap is not happening. Yeah. Um, I think I think what's happened is that we've turned priests into princes. Um, I don't know that every priest cardinals. has been turned into a prince, but definitely, <laughs> I mean, cardinals are called that, right? But like, I even think like in in some dioceses, I've I've witnessed this um, elevated attitude about the cleric, which is dangerous because the bigger they are, the harder they fall, right? So like that's why this is such a mess right yeah. now. Um, so I want to see a church that becomes much more uh, simple in in the way that our priests and our religious live um and i'm, I'm not saying that like they that, you know like it is nice when a priest picks up a bill at dinner like i'm not saying like i want them to stop being able to do that i'm just saying that like i think that some of the the fanfare of their lifestyle is is very off-putting to people um and i think we need to we need to pair that back a little bit 
Um, I also want to see a hierarchy that actually knows the names of people in their diocese that aren't just either A, big donors, or B, influential church workers. But like they know some of the lives and the reality of their of, of the of the people that they shepherd. You know, like I, I find it concerning that I would be willing to bet most bishops in America could not name 20 people under the age of 20 unless they're related to them. And I mean, maybe that's kind of a, a, a crazy assumption to make. But like, I think that they're very out of touch with the day to day reality. Would you say that the there are multiple layers of abstraction between them and the people? I would. That's a good way to put mm, it. And, that's, how and I... that's often not their, not their fault. Not their no, fault. It's how it's, it's yeah. structured. That's the and problem. And there's like people like at the chancery, and there's and just you have parents of the people who just think that like they don't have time for that or they don't care. Right. You know. Right. I one of my favorite stories to tell is of my bishop. My mother does my bishop's taxes, so that's why we know him. <laughs> she does a lot of the priest's taxes in my diocese. So like we, I mean, we're a small diocese, and he lives around the corner. Um, but we invited him to our wedding, kind of out of courtesy, because like you know, like we invited a bunch of priests that we're very close to. So of course we invited him, and he came. And so many people were shocked that the bishop came to our wedding and like that he would then take pictures with us afterwards and that he sent us a present and that like from time to time he comes over to play with Rose. Like they're like amazed at this relationship that we have with our bishop. And it's like, yeah, he's a priest, everybody. Like he's not this crazy prince of the church. Like he knows my child's name. He he knows the situation of Tommy and I's life. Like he knows I travel. Like he knows us. And I think that's good for him and it's good for us. I want to see that be the reality of a lot of bishops. I think like my bishop, if I were to ask him to like baptize, if you know, like if like, you know, um, if we are able to like have kids, um, I could see my bishop, if we were to ask him like baptize our kids, that he would do it in a heartbeat. I think a lot of people are just like afraid to ask that. They're they're priests. He my bishop told me one time that he never gets to um like see families except at mass. Like he mm. like we were at this diocesan youth conference and I asked him if Rose could take a picture with him. He was like, Of course, I'd love to. And so like, you know, we like handed Ro- we like we, we kind of put Rose close to him and he's like he, he he was like a grandfather. He was coochie coochie coo. Like he's like playing with her fingers and like making faces at her and he said, I never get to play with babies and like he had like this sad look on his face and it was like you would have been a great grandfather. Like like that it broke my heart because people aren't gonna gonna go hang out with their bishop because they think they can't. And like I think that that would help humanize and that would maybe help us see like them as that that I I keep going back to in all of this like all of these men listed in Vigano's letter and and that even did these awful things in Pennsylvania and like every priest ever like started off as a young seminarian who felt the call to serve the church. Yes, things probably got corrupted for some of them along the way and like evil snuck in, but like the majority of them started off with this loving desire to serve God's people. And like, we need to help them remember that. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox. No, that's a great point. Gormley? All right. (laughs) Number one. (laughs) Now, I I mean, how am I supposed to say this? Uh, Okay, number one, no priests or bishops molest or hurt people. That's my bare minimum for the future of the church. (laughs) That's a good We're one. Start I should have said that one. <laughs> it would just not. I'm gonna I'm gonna lead with that one, Luke. I'm gonna lead with here's the, a, no no no. I was just saying like here, here's the graph. Do you want to do this? No. <laughs> yeah. Literally, the answer to every one of these questions is no. Do you want to hurt this person? Okay. So, all joking aside, um, 
I do think dioceses should be smaller. I do think we need to create systems or cultures or structures where the bishops are closer to their priests, even if they're not closer to their people. Uh, I think someone remarked that Cardinal Avery Dulles is the one who said after, right before he died, like after the 2002-3 charter went into effect, that bishops just ended their relationship with their priests because essentially the bishops dumped it all on the priest for the previous sex abuse scandal, the spotlight scandal, and mm-hmm. uh, hung the priest kind of out to dry. And a lot of priests felt betrayed by that, you know, accusation, you're done, everything's over. Priests live in fear of that. I can see, um, you know what, honestly, I want to see priests coming out of seminary like they do in Detroit. Maybe not every one of them, but the emphasis in Detroit is evangelization. I want to see priest evangelists. I want to see priests who know how to call people into repentance. I want to see priests that still have spiritual directors and bishops who have spiritual directors. I want those spiritual directors to not in any way, shape, or form be into uh, stupid, fad spirituality. <laughs> and if I hear about it, I, I am given a new hierarchical position where I get to sucker punch people in the throat if they do stupid, like, hey, we took this from Buddhism, but we made it jazzy. You know, I just can't take this crap anymore. I keep running into people who are like, have you done the Enneagram yet? And I'm like, okay, listen, Val, I get it. They might have some insight, but it's stupid. Let's move on with our lives. Have you heard of St. Ignatius of Loyola? So there's all these (laughs) problems that I have. But I think my main problem stems from hierarchy who can be abstracted from people and who don't pray and don't know what evangelization is. So mm-hmm. I got on Twitter just to read JP or JP, uh, JD Flynn's posts, and all of a sudden God, I oh, wait really quick. God bless him. Yeah, like mm-hmm. seriously, J- JD, thank you. Yeah, like I I I'm gonna get like I don't know why, but I'm I'm gonna get like really emotional. I he has been a godsend. Yeah. for the mm-hmm. church during this. Like JD, I have never been more proud to say that like you're my friend and then like you're my fellow like alum, you're my fellow alumnus and. Like you have done all of us like who like know you very, very proud. So I anyways, sorry, I just wanna interject that. Go on. Uh I literally got on Twitter just so I could read his stuff and I had to sign in because I was doing it from a web browser and then Twitter is the terrible place. And all of a sudden I found myself tweeting hun- like a hundred tweets in five seconds. <laughs> oh my god, mm-hmm. I know. I, <laughs> Did you see my tweet where I said you went off. someone's on a roll? <laughs> yeah. I didn't see it because I was too busy tweeting. Someone had a muffin with his coffee. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about, but it sure sounds funny, Luke. So, anywho, I uh, unleashed the fury because I'm like, this is this is insane. So, the whole thing that I was saying in the very beginning was, we've lost our ability to understand the number one, understand what grace is, and number two, we have to keep evangelizing. Evangelizing brings exposes us to all the right uncomfortableness that we need in our Catholic faith. We're too comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, Pope Benedict, Pope Francis said, I want a church that is bruised and bleeding because it's out on the streets with the broken people, right? Pope Benedict said that in the future, it looks like our church is going to get smaller. People accuse him of saying smaller, but pure. But this, that was purely hypothetical, though. I think we need to keep that in mind. Yeah, and just saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Could... But this, this notion mm-hmm. of the church, if you follow Ratzinger's theology— actually has a brotherhood amongst us that means there are insiders and there are outsiders. But the distinguishing characteristic is our relationship to the outsider is one of self-sacrificial agape love. Mm 
And right now, I think we are trying to appease the world. And we're trying to advance lay people and clergy alike in careerism in the church. And I think mm-hmm. there is an element of damnation that has crept in outside of the Freemasons taking over and the, and the Lavender <laughs> Mafia and the Pink Seminary and the Fuchsia hair salons. I think that, that a deeper rot is in the center of, outside of all the criminality, in five years I would love to see, I would love to hear a homily where priests preach repentance and call people to repentance for their sins and the people don't think that they're just getting a judgmental sermon, but they think this guy gets it. He knows me. He knows what's wrong, and he's willing to journey with me. Mm-hmm. Dads, you want a dad? I want. A, I don't want an uncle. I don't want a crazy loopy grandfather who comes in and spoils me, who doesn't mm-hmm. discipline me, who like every grandparent jokes. Oh, I love being the grandparent. I get all the good parts of the baby. And then when they start to cry or poop themselves, I just hand them back to mom and dad. Oh, I heard that joke 10,000 times. He wants a person who's going to wipe his butt. I need someone to wipe <laughs> my butt, Luke. And to use the stuff that when he gets a rash, that makes it yeah. Boudreaux's butt paste. Boudreaux's butt paste. That's made in Louisiana. Oh, really? Didn't see that one yeah. coming. Of course it's made in Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> what is it these days? <laughs> iPhones. Um, uh, so I, I want to add a thing to all. So I would agree with like, like, okay, so I'm going to go the orthodoxy route. Okay. And this is just, this is, this is the um, opinions of Luke and not that of his employer or <gasps> one day. Who's your employer? We don't know. We don't know. We, Catching mm, foxes. Who knows where I live? <laughs> Self-employed. It's, it's in abyss. Um, truly though. Um, I think that if you are a priest or if you are a diocesan or a parish employee who has, like, a major issue with church, like, teaching and you cannot adhere adhere to it or you, like, advocate for something else, you got to go. And I know that's really harsh. Um, I know. And so, and what I mean, like, we need to, we need to, like, if that means that you're only able to have, like, Eucharist twice a month because the priests have to, like, travel across your diocese. I think small diocese would help that, but anyways, I think it need, we need it, it, it's we cannot have people in these positions who do not believe in the church or believe mm-hmm. in like Jesus Christ. Um, if if you don't, you gotta go. And I I know that's really really harsh, but that's not the only reason why we are in this we are in this mess. But it is a major reason. It is a part of this. This is why this is such a complex issue, and this is one of those big things. Um. To be blunt, if you're a Catholic, uh, got to be careful here. Um, <laughs> I think our Catholic schools really need to ask themselves if they want to be Catholic schools, and if they don't, and just find be to something else. We can't be doing this anymore. This is killing us. Mm-hmm. It's killing us, and it like, like, it should not surprise anyone that McCarrick's name is on the Linda Lakes thing. You know, like. It's just as hard as, as as like frustrating as all that is. Like it's 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 all connected, you know. Like it's and I, again, I'm not saying that being a quote unquote like progressive Catholic means that you support like raping people. I'm not saying that by any means necessary. But this thing of like we really don't have to like believe this stuff. We can or we can really. That's not what um, discipleship is. Real discipleship involves not is, but it just involves adhering to the traditions of the church to take what like that was been one of the readings this past week i believe from saint paul 
It may have been in the um, liturgy of the hours. We're like holding on to the umbrella traditions we have passed down mm-hmm. to you. It was in the first reading yesterday for the feast day of St. Augustine from yeah. First Thessalonians. It starts off with a paragraph that says, uh, do not believe crazy people who tell you the day of the Lord is at hand, whether by word of mouth or by letter, or, you know, purportedly from us. Instead, basically, hold fast to the traditions that have been handed on to you, whether by oral statement or um, through a letter from us, right? This, this whole notion, right, that at, in times of upheaval, when everyone is saying the world is burning, Rome is burning, the church is falling apart, the world's going to hell in the handbasket, what do we as Catholics do? The only thing I know for sure to do is hold fast to the traditions, the apostolic mm-hmm. church. And I was, uh, I did my, so last night we had that town hall that went until like 10 o'clock at night. Uh, Well, me talking afterwards with some friends. Um, I had to wake up at five o'clock in the morning and prepare for my 10 to noon parish staff retreat that I put on for my parish every year for my parish staff, coworkers. And I'm like, what the hell do I do? (laughs) Like, what do I say? So I just walked the entire staff through the word blood in the Old and New Testament. And the notion of, you know, the first time blood is mentioned is also the first time sin is mentioned, uh, which is Cain and Abel, taking you all the way up, like all this different stuff through the sacrifices of Leviticus. And I just read to them passages from Scripture and tied it all together with the temple liturgy and tabernacle and all this stuff. And so that's why the blood of Christ saves us. And it was this, you know, kind of crescendo moment. But this notion that I... um, I keep experiencing when I'm trying to figure out, like, what do I do now? I mean... Number one, the church is not a democracy. It shouldn't be a democracy because the truth is not a democracy. It's not up for majority vote. That being said, if I find out, this is the way one man said, he said, it feels like we are in the middle of the Enron scandal and, you know, the CFO, uh-huh. the CEO, the C, you know, whatever, they all come and say, listen, we're going to investigate. And it's like, if they're the ones doing it, and giving cover, then how can we trust a word that comes from them? We just have to wait till they all die, like like 40 years in the desert wandering, you know? Like, what can, I think we all want to fix this right now, and we're, so many people are scared, because of, especially because of um, Figaro's letter, we're scared that the Pope is in on it. And not only mm-hmm. is he in on it, but all you conservative Catholics who have been shouting this stuff from the rooftops for ages now oh guess what you were 100 percent right since 2013 like it fit the narrative so perfectly which is why i was suspicious after i read it it fit the narrative so like a little too perfectly oh mm-hmm. it just so happens all the bishops you hate guess what they're all in league with the darkness so there's an issue that i have there are aspects of francis i can never reconcile which is i don't understand the stuff going on with divorce and remarriage and holy communion i honestly do not understand how he can say and give approval to the whatever Argentinian bishop, bishops and German bishops. I, I think it's, it's driving me insane because you couldn't be more clear in Pope John Paul II. And there is an illegitimate form of, of development of doctrine. You can't just say, well, it's a development because I get to say so. Okay. Now, that being said, mm-hmm. he excommunicated the mafia. He built up the church's um, exorcism ministry. He talks about the devil and the influence of the devil in all aspects of both church life and world life and politics. Like, he is not on the side of darkness in so many ways. Like, mm-hmm. he is he is doing things that Benedict and JP2 didn't do or the stuff that JP2 did 
when he was much younger as a young pontiff. Like he is, he was trying to reform the Vatican Bank, mm-hmm. and and now we're confronted with all this, and you're like, I don't know who to believe. And not only do I know, I not know who to believe, but the people who can, who are the only ones by our Lord allowed to fix the problem, they might be in on it. Like <laughs> they they might be the ones doing it. Right. Well, and. Um, I guess like one of the things that just really, and I, I'm talking about this earlier, it's just that how hard it is to, to like live the faith. And when you see people like Cardinal Cupid, did I say that right? Yeah. Cupid? Sure. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I, um, I think it's pronounced Cupid. Right. Well, there you go. I don't think it's pronounced. Um, he shot his arrow into my heart. Um, <laughs> it, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, why are you flying? It, uh, it's just tough when it's like when you just like mock people who are trying to like live by the church's teachings, and that's what I feel like he was doing like a bit. It's a little bit of a dig, and it's it's just like, do you guys know how hard this is? You right. know, like, do you know? And that's why I'm like, and that's why I was I like had this uh, I had this one tweet where, where where kind of went on like a little bit of a rant, and I'm like, do you even care? Like, or is this all mm-hmm. just like politics? Is this mm-hmm. just like right wing? You know. And I know that's I know that's not all of the bishops, but you know it feels like it's more than it should be now. It feels it feels like we're very press released right now, and not super pastoral. Um, and I say that about about it's not everybody, um, but the ones in the news the most right now are very press released, um, which is not what people need, but. But, you know, there's an element of fear in everybody to have their their deepest, darkest secrets exposed, right? Like, I would never want anybody recording what I say in a confessional, right? And, like, essentially what we're asking these men to do is to admit awful wrongs, to say, I did this, and I'm sorry, and I beg your forgiveness, and I submit myself to the justice of the church. And, like, that requires an immense amount of um, humility, and if there's one thing I don't think the church has done a very good job of in the past few years is being humble. I really don't. Um, you know, C.S. Lewis says that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Um, and like, I don't know as a church that we actually have done that. Like, I think we're all about advancing the mission and I think we're all about bringing people closer to Jesus. But like, I think sometimes we very much, it's like, yeah, look at us doing this rather than just go do it. And I feel like that's trickled into, or maybe it's come down from the top, this cult of personality surrounding some of these shepherds. And again, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. So like, they're not going to hold, they're, they're going to, as long as they can, they're going to hold on to the vestiges of, of their, their position and their power and their reputations. And, and what we should be praying for most actively is a humble spirit to overtake everybody for just honesty. I agree. Maybe. I don't know. That could be totally off the mark. <laughs> I want to reiterate a couple things uh, that I said in the past. I really did love the Imperial Episcopacy. It's time to end the Imperial Episcopacy article that was on um, First Things by a priest, Father Jay something. I recommend everyone read it. It was in our show notes from an earlier episode. Um, mm-hmm. I really liked it because he said, you know, the, the church adopted the medieval trappings of the ancient Roman court took it into itself, adopted titles like eminence, your worship, your grace. Mm-hmm. Like it, it should be father and holy father. Like let's, let's just call it a, at a day, you know, there. Um, but the other right. thing I want to reiterate is that, and I want to be totally clear here, celibacy causes 
crisis in the church. Just kidding. I. <laughs> oh, can we, can we do this? Can we do I this? I was totally <laughs> falsely accused on Catholic stuff you should know that I said celibacy caused the crisis in the church. Let me clarify just for everyone involved. Me and Father John are going to have a chit chat. We've been exchanging. Uh, I called him yesterday. Uh, he was in the mountains. He couldn't get hold of me. So, because of course, Father John's in the mountains. That's what he does in every episode. Well, just got done spelunking. Uh, he's so active. But uh, he said that I said, oh, in the nicest way possible, <laughs> that I said that celibacy causes the sex abuse crisis or child molestation, pedophilia, whatever. I didn't say any of that. What I said was the chronic loneliness, isolation, stress, overwork, and then being put on a pedestal 24-7 by most priests who are serving multiple parishes without accountability can lead to unchaste men self-medicating in dangerous ways such as, you know, unchastity, sexually acting out, all that stuff. And I said that gave me pause. The lack of accountability, the lack of community Mm -hmm. gave me pause for the first time in my entire life to say, Maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea a bad idea to have married clergy. I didn't say every priest should be married. I didn't say anything. The whole thrust of the statement, in my entire life, I have vigorously defended celibacy. My entire life. That now that I have experienced marriage in all of its ugliness and, ha- mm-hmm. and realize that it is overwhelmingly maybe a better man, that if I relate to everyone the way I relate to my children, they can't really hold me accountable. But if there's someone who's up here that can hold me accountable. And so on the show, he made it sound like I said, and I just want to clarify, I did not say celibacy causes. There's no causation. What I'm saying is chronic loneliness and isolation has given me pause to think, what if in a limited sense, right? Now I'm saying limited sense, you know, you would allow for married clergy. I don't want married clergy. I didn't say that. If someone, if the Pope were to come to me and say, Michael, uh, your wife's cool with it. Do you want to be a priest? I would probably say yes. Just because I want to hear confessions and then and then speak of them in a generalized sense in a sermon. And then talk at them for 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> right, Luke? Well, plus, right. This is, and I'm sorry, Katie, you might even know what we were talking about. We haven't had a chance to like, talk, about this, talk about this with anyone. Plus, what really bothered me, and I like, I, I mean, I don't know them no, like, no, no, I listen very to the well. Episodes. I, I know I, what he's talking every about. Every time I've hung out with my I've always been like, God, you guys are cool as hell. So I love those, like. The guys that, like, I know, I really, really like them. Aaron, I believe, used to be good buds with Father Goebel when he was when he was in the seminary for a bit. So I was just really crushed by that, I'll be real honest. And I was like, because I was like, what, what like, I was, and it wasn't even this, it was before mm-hmm. we read the report. It was before the grand jury report came out. It was all just so about no McCarrick. Idea. Yeah, yeah it, had, it, had, it had nothing to do with pedophilia. And I was like, why are they, why is he doing this? <laughs> so, yeah. like. I, it, I like it crushed me. I'll be real honest. But anyways, can I ask a question? Um, well, you know, I think you're saying something important there, Gomer, like it, the chronic yeah. loneliness of priests. Like, how do we how do we help them? And like, I'm, I'm, I'm asking this as a married woman who like I I invite priests over for dinner all the time because like I've got a house and I've got a husband and I've got a child and you need to eat and you look too skinny. Come over and we'll feed you like. Yeah. And so I've got really good priest friends. But like the average Catholic that's listening to your podcast like, what do we do to help them combat it? Does it have to start in seminary formation? Like, does every 
every seminary need to go through a pastoral year? Does every priest have to be forced to go have dinner with a real family once a week? Like, how do we help them? I think because I, I think there is a thing to the idea of like having them over a lot or going out to um, dinner at different people's houses, which used to be a thing before of 2002. We all mm-hmm. can remember that. Um, but I think instead, right. like, I, I would be a little bit hesitant to say that, like, they need to go to, like, one person's house a week only because I think what they – like, I think that is important and that's a good thing for them to do. But I don't know if it's the answer to that. I think it's part of it. I, I think they, like, doing it – Right, with, right, right. Like, invite your friends that are priests, invite them over to be a part of your lives in real and concrete ways. You know, so so it's like this is, like, my friend who also happens to be Happens to be a priest, right. My um my spiritual director here in Lake Charles told me one time I hate priests I like good men, and like that's always kind of stuck in my head is like I need to I need to see them as a good man who also brings us the sacraments, and and like help them be that in whatever way. Um, but I don't know I just, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Okay, so a lot of this comes from my studies in community and all this stuff, and this is the funniest thing. Mm-hmm. Father John belongs to a community group of priests. I forget what they're called community of saint john or something like that Luke, uh, no, the companions companions that's right companions and they were i might be wrong on this i think they were made up originally of a, a couple seminarians couple ordained or near ordained and their whole point was we got to live in community we just have to do this because we're going to be isolated mm-hmm. and alone that type of stuff does not come from the diocese naturally Right. And that was mm-hmm. my point is if you have a brotherhood of priests, yeah, you should also have lay people involved in that. But if you have a brotherhood of priests where you can experience <laughs> fraternal correction, that is worth its weight in gold. My mm-hmm. wife supplies uh, maternal correction, <laughs> I don't know what you call it. Uh, <laughs> spousal correction. My wife and I have a relationship just the other day. It took her an hour and a half to get ready. And I lost my damn mind. And then she lost her damn mind right back at me. And we get in the car, and the whole time I'm thinking, it's a 35-minute drive with this woman who is now furious at me, and I'm furious at her. And she gets in the car, and we're dead silent. And I go, you know, I'm really sorry. <laughs> and, then she, and then she goes, I'm really sorry, too. And then we talked it out. And she's, you know, and we, and that's the thing. I have never, ever in my entire life had a, I, okay, no, excuse me. I had two brutally honest conversations with priests in my entire life who were not previously dear friends. The first time I had the conversation, it was, he was extremely receptive and he thanked me for the hard words I had to say that I didn't want to say. The second time I had the conversation, he belittled me in public. This is not my past or anything like that. Totally different person. He belittled me in public in front of my coworkers, told me that that Oof. that we are all the problem, not him. And uh, I found another job and moved out. Not because I was so overwhelmed, but I knew that this was a dead end place. There's no growth that can happen. Right. I have worked for priests right. that I love and admire and respect or tolerate. I've been across the full gamut. Right. And all I can say to these mm-hmm. priests is you have to be around people who will challenge you to be better men not just be uh you know like the damn you know renewal parish renewal books that are out there to be the wheeling and dealing priest who always has a smile and is hospitable and all this yeah that stuff is great but you need to be a good man and a holy man 
And just because you wear that collar doesn't mean that you're automatically that. And I feel like sometimes right. as laity, we presuppose that they are. And yeah, I give people the benefit of the doubt. But the thing is, priest, if you want to be holy, you can only be transformed by community. Iron sharpens iron. And, yeah. and to have suffer chronic isolation, that is a plague that has fallen upon our clergy. And guess what? Well, it's fallen upon us, too, <laughs> like church workers. And, yeah. And I, I mean, like, even I, because I think you see, you, you, um, you have a lot of people who like to bang the orthodoxy drum, which is what I just did earlier. But if you recall, I said it's on top of everything like you guys had just said, because orthodoxy is pointless without right. community. Relationship. Point, yeah, completely pointless. And um, it is so, like, I, the only answer, I think, is for us to be a church, all of us. And that means peace mm-hmm. too. Yeah. It's, I mean, so much of this conversation, not just our conversation tonight, but like in general has been like the church versus the laity. And I always have to remind myself, uh, no, 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 it's we, the church, like, like the people of God compose, uh, like we're all that the man in the white hat and the little old lady who shows up every day for five thirty mass. And the the baby that was just baptized, like we're all the church. Um, and, and making sure that we're all in that church together, which I think is why so many lay people are like, you have to speak because like we need you to speak because like we're all part of this church and you're like half the church is not talking right now. Like you have to say what's what's actually going on. Um, I don't, my heart is breaking for so many of the good priests I know. And you know, like I know we the lay people are suffering a lot with yeah. this because like we're sitting in the pews asking like what is true and what do I believe? But like even even the bishops right now that I wish would just say something truthful and stop reading press statements, like oh, my heart even hurts for them because everybody is wounded in this. Everybody. When one part suffers, the whole part suffers, right? Like we're all suffering. Um, I just keep texting all my priest friends. I love you and I'm praying for you. I hope you're doing okay. Um, they're probably getting annoyed with me because I do it like every few <laughs> days now. <laughs> I assure you they, uh, they do not. Uh, they are not getting annoyed. The, uh, How's your tea? Most of the time, I get a I get a gift back, yeah. which is a good thing. <laughs> what were you gonna say, Luke? Uh, no, I was just saying, how's your tea? As in, like you're like spying on them with with a drone outside of their window. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice blue shirt, yeah. father. Oh, okay. Um, I I do just want to say this. This is the <laughs> opening statement that I made at the town hall that I keep bringing up. Um, I said uh, before we begin, we you brought up the PR thing. I said we've read enough PR statements that we almost feel like hearing a talk. One more talk is the worst thing. So let me just start off by saying, and they all have their customary, I'm disgusted, I'm appalled, blah, blah, blah. I said, let me just state this out front. There is no such thing as the healing of the church, the church moving on, moving forward, whatever language we want to say. The healing of the church is bound entirely to the healing of the victims, right? Mm. True victims of all of this stuff, we need to heal them. And I don't know Mm -hmm. all the ways and means that that shall unfold as time goes on. I know when there's blood in the water, the sharks start to circle. I know that people have abused victims groups to make money. And that is scary, sad. Mm -hmm. And my whole hope, my whole hope is that somehow we can help bring healing to the victims. And the crazy thing was a friend of mine, that I didn't know this was a victim and she called me Mm. and we talked on the phone for like half an hour and I hung up the phone with her 
And I thanked her over and over again for her phone call. I said, tell me what you want me to do, what you want me to do. She said, oh, nothing, nothing. Like, I can't, I can't even, you know, I don't want to say much. But I know she's listening. Thank you so much for calling me. But I, like, I threw my glasses off and just wept because I had no clue this was happening. And it just, it like, it's real that there is no such thing as moving forward. And the PR statements scare me because I fear the cynic in me is thinking, it's just a PR disaster to you, isn't mm-hmm. it? That if none of this came out, you never would have addressed it. The problem with the grand jury report wasn't that the 2002 charter actually cut the amount of abuse and all this stuff. The problem was no one went back before the charter and notified families of people who were abusers where it was covered up. Mm -hmm. And there is a damnable deadliness in those criminal acts. And that's where I'm like, those families need healing. Those, and and I, I don't know what else to say other than the church needs to devote ourselves to the apostles teaching, but we also need to devote ourselves to fellowship. We need to devote ourselves to the breaking of the bread, AKA companions and to prayer. These are the four things in Acts mm-hmm. two forty two. It tends to Orthodox people will focus on, uh, you know, being devoted to the apostles' teaching to the exclusion of fellowship, and we become a cold church. We can't do that. Liberals tend to have a warm, welcoming church, but they minimize the apostles' teaching. We cannot do that either, because then it's not a gospel church. It's the church of, you know, Bob and Janet. That you know, it's made in the image and likeness of the leadership, and that's damnably dangerous too. So. That's all I got to say. I have a crazy idea. Do you guys want to hear my crazy idea? Mm-hmm. Maybe. So do you remember in the uh, Harry Potter books when they think they get rid of like, Voldemort in, in the first book, but then like he comes back, obviously, 15 years later? Go on. Um, <laughs> oddly enough. I feel like that's kind of like what this is. Like They were able to get rid of Voldemort for a bit back in 2002, but he's back now full on because we never really got to the cause. We didn't destroy the hor- the horcruxes. We just destroyed his like <laughs> current like his current corporal existence. And we got to get to like the cause of this, which is yeah. like I, I I think you're 100% right Gomer. Like we need healing, not just like here's the steps that we take in order to make sure that kids are going to be safe. That's all very important. We've gotten very good at that. We're very good at that now. Um but there is profound brokenness on, I mean, and it feels like it could now go all the way up to, like, papacy, where there needs, where we need the light of Jesus Christ and we need the healing power of, of Jesus Christ from, like, mm-hmm. especially for all of the victims and their, like, like only families. But I would include, like, it really, in a weird way, the entire church needs to be, like, healed from, the, from these, like, un, from these, like, wounds from, and especially from the, like, unbelief that, we, that like we all have an experience some on more profound levels than others um but yeah well what what defeats voldemort in the end it was it was sacrifice right yeah. like harry's mom sacrificed herself neville longbottom's willing to sacrifice himself to go cut the the snake, snake. Yep. Mm. yep right and like 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 it's all sacrifice like it's it's everybody dying to self because of something oh, greater God. you and guys like, are for, such harry potter nerds no, but it, oh it works. It, it's, it works. It's a good analogy, okay? It's Christocentric. Uh, yeah. King's cross. <laughs> but anyway. Pity those I just, without love. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? Uh, 
pity those oh without love pity those without love yeah and, no i mean it, it i keep going back to the dumbledore quote um in times of darkness one must only remember to turn on the light or something like that um you know like i just we, we've got to flip the light on we've got to let the the cockroaches run away and then squash them and then be willing to die for mother church i really believe this with all my being that i really believe that balthasar and like ratzinger prepared us for times like these i truly mm-hmm. truly believe that he will him and ratzinger and j and uh and jp2 and like mother and uh, uh mother Teresa, they will be. And this is this is kind of appropriate because we are recording this on. Uh, is is it the feast of John the Baptist or is it yeah. memorial? Yeah. yeah, like yeah. they were the voice in the wilderness, like preparing mm-hmm. us for this. I think, and I mean, in, yeah. in one small way, of what they were doing. I really think that. So, yeah, I mean, it's a purging and it's it's a cleansing, a holy fire, right? It hurts. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's hard to go to work, <laughs> yeah. but it's it's. Yeah. It's what the Lord clearly. It's what, I think the Holy Spirit is totally making sure this happens now. There's a wind a blowing. <laughs> Hello, Come my forward. name's Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, stop it, prison oh. Mike! You depressed oh. me. Expecto Balthazar. Accio Balthazar. Balthazar. That's awesome. I'm a I'm a proud Ravenclaw. I know my. Oh spells. my gosh! <laughs> oh wow! I didn't realize I was talking to a witch. Wow, I hope you enjoy Wiccanism. Hey, hey. Hope you enjoy Wiccanism, you neo-pagan liberal. Enjoy the Synod. You're right at home. Tell Francis and Tobin I said hi. Ouch. Oh, man. I swung for all the fences. Turns out. Patreon.com slash the electric waffle, everybody. Look at these guys. <laughs> the electric waffle. Uh, that's not a Harry Potter reference. Theirs is the magical omelet of, of, of Ravenclaw. Homer, have you never read Harry Potter? Okay, I'm going to answer your question with a question. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) I have seen every one of the movies the, you know, the week they came out. I have never read a book because I looked at them and said to myself, there's a person who doesn't know how to trim the fat. I mean. Not even. As the story got older, the books got bigger and bigger. They're fighting evil. I'm not going you know to attempt to defend You know who fights evil in 200 pages? C.S. frickin' Lewis. He's far <laughs> okay. more Christocentric. What do you think about... Our little Harry Potter walking into the muggle wall of the, of the brick building in London town. <laughs> what about Tolkien? <laughs> Tolkien wrote thousands of pages. Yeah. Oh, my... Yeah. Yeah. Answer that, nerd boy, with your Brian Epicene glasses and whatnot. <laughs> uh, I will answer your Tolkien question with a question. Don't you also love five pages of landscape descriptions? I, so I'm rereading The Hobbit right now, and I'm yeah. just, like, I I only have ever gotten through halfway of the two towers into the trilogy because I get tired of the land descriptions. But The Hobbit, <laughs> The Hobbit is always a, a fun read. It, it's been my recovery book in the midst of all this. Gomer, I'm just so disappointed that you've not read. Like you've seen the movies, that's that's fine, but the books really, really are better. You're missing out on so I, many great characters. No, it's true. It's true. But I have Luke. He's all the character I can handle. <laughs> it's true. I am exhausting. To be really, really clear. In a beautiful I feel like way. I'm the reason. <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> oh, oh man, the um, the ending of my parish staff retreat. I'm I'm excited to edit the docs and post them. 
because the first sock is an hour just about blood and how it tracks itself throughout the Old and New Testament. But mm-hmm. the second one, I read, I literally just read Galatians chapter one and two to my parish staff and then gave them background information and then read a part of Galatians three where, where I, I just wanted to demonstrate to them what it looks like to be devoted to fellowship. And it's the Apostle Paul taking Peter to task for refraining from sitting with the Gentiles, Gentile Christians, when they would have their agape meal, their weekly breaking bread together meal. And Peter, right, was a Jew who was living like a Gentile until certain men from James came up from Jerusalem. And they were hardline Judaizers, which means they wanted Christians to become Moses followers if they were going to be Jesus followers. And all of a sudden they had two tables. Now Peter is sitting, he leaves the common table for the Jewish Christian table. And then Paul says, even Barnabas was carried away. And then so it says, I oppose Peter even to his face, saying, how can you who are Jew living like a Gentile tell these Gentiles to live like Jews? And uh, I, I mean, just think of the drama bound up in that. But that whole controversy was hypocrisy over table fellowship, mm-hmm. over breaking bread together, because that splits, I mean, the very dividing wall of hostility that Jesus Christ tore down in the cross, Peter built up again when these hardliners from Jerusalem showed up. And Paul attacked Peter verbally mm-hmm. in order to, uh, you know, tear down this wall, right? In order to show him his hypocrisy. And I feel like if Paul, if, if, they, if we devote ourselves to both the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, like imagine what we could do for our church. Mm-hmm. It could be the place where church is a home. Right. It, I mean, it really could be. Right now, it's the place where I receive the Eucharist. Pope John Paul said it should be the Eucharistic community where the church is at home in the neighborhoods of her sons and daughters. That's a beautiful image of the parish. But if I'm not in community, how could I have a community of communities in the parish? And if we just treat it like a sacramentary dispensary machine, what are we doing to ourselves? We're undoing Catholicism by not devoting ourselves to fellowship. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing. I, I sent you guys in the, in the robot here, in the Skype chat room, my, an article that I wrote. I submitted it to uh, Catholic World Report. I've heard nothing, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and everyone who's a Patreon follower, that's the thing I copied and pasted to y'all. But uh, I, I really do. I really do. I really do believe you invite priests over and just hang out. Don't make them be on. Tell them to wear their civvies. Wait, wear their what? Civvies. They're civilian clothes. They're non-collars. I mean, I love, I, 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 I'm not saying that priests shouldn't be in collar. That's not what I'm, don't tell me. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm not a cassocator. Wear the collar. I, uh, you know, I've got some dear priest friends who, who always wear the collar because it's their, it's the sign of their vocation. But I also love a good priest in a cargo short and a t-shirt and a pair of Crocs, Mm -hmm. you know? Look like look like the unmarried man you are. Oh, so they can wear Crocs and not get screamed at on on like Instagram by their friends and loved ones. I hid my husband's Crocs like a week after we got married. I love my Crocs so much. They I have holes, Luke. <laughs> they look so horrible. They are so horrible, uh, especially at an airport. No, no, you do not. No, Lou. I, no, I did that one time. Lou, I no, have I'm to. disappointed. I no I'm disappointed. What is it about airports where we feel like it's okay to be in our pajamas? <laughs> I know, right? No, no, no. It wasn't okay. 
It, it was not okay. I, I fully understand that, but it was amazing. So today, I, mean, I said, you know what, guys? This is all about me tonight. This is about me. <laughs> there was a man. Like, you go to the airport. It is just a free for all. Oh yeah. Of abandonment of decorum. It's a lawless wasteland. It is. The, it is. Yeah. It's the wild, wild west at an airport. And then you it's get on the, the wild, plane. wild west of comfortable pajamas and stretchy pants and sweatpants. Oh yeah, leggings as pants. I have I have like standard rules. Like when I see people in an airport wearing certain items of clothing, I'm not proud of this, but I automatically think a little less of them. Um, <laughs> leggings as pants, major no no. Uh, sleeveless tops. If you're wearing a sleeveless shirt in an airport, who the hell are you? Like, are you carrying around deodorant? Because it's the only acceptable situation where you would be allowed to wear a sleeveless shirt in an airport. Because uh, it makes you hot and sweaty and stinky. Yeah, well, I just like, yeah, why, cover your pits. Like, you are in a public place where we are all going to be contained in a metal tube barreling through the air. Like, wear a shirt. Um, sorry, I get a little. Don't talk on your phone on the plane. Like, who are you? You're not that important. That's who. Um, Michael Gormley. <laughs> I just, I, hey, sorry. Hey, Bill. Hey, Bill. I'm coming to see you. Yeah. 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 So, no. So that, yeah. No. <laughs> that voice you're doing, a person two rows behind me today answered his phone when we landed. And I heard the entire conversation, the whole plane heard the entire conversation about his friend who got in a wreck in his rental car but didn't have insurance. And this guy's like giving him advice. And like, I wanted to scream back, that's why you always buy the insurance, dude. Like, it just, nobody needed to know that information. He was probably wearing Crocs, for the record. Oh, <laughs> wow. Listen, it was horrible, but it was so freeing. I was like, this is what life can life can be like without rules. Socks or no socks <laughs> with your Crocs? Socks or no socks, Luke? Be honest. Oh, yeah. No, listen, they were – and I didn't have any – no, I didn't uh, – sorry. I didn't, it, uh, my, my Skype cut out for a bit. I was – I did not have socks on, and I had gym shorts on. What was your top? Or, excuse me, your shirt? Uh, just a, like a, it was just. Um, what was your blouse? A t-shirt, and gym shorts. Was it a was it a graphic youth group t-shirt? No, I no okay. no. It was it was actually like a cool um, t-shirt that if I wear with like a pair of uh, with, with with a pair of jeans, it looks good. But I mean, it looked like I had clearly said, you know what, I'm gonna give up for the next four. I'm gonna be comfortable. Yeah, at everyone just, else's it, expense. Can I tell you what really infuriates me? The women. I've only seen this with women. I'm sure there are men that do it, but I haven't seen it. They wear, like, flip-flops on the plane. Then they take their gross feet Mm -hmm. out of the flip-flops and put it on the chair in front of them. Mm -hmm. Thin, bendy women Mm -hmm. who you would think would know better because these two women, they were dressed a little nice. Immediately, feet on the armrest of the people in front of them. Nope, 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 nope. Do y'all follow the... the, Yeah, nope. One of of my favorite accounts on Instagram is passenger shaming because it's just, like, (laughs) it's just... It's pictures and videos of people just being complete and total jagweeds all over airplanes could uh, you do me a favor and define jagweed um according to the sapersteins from parks and recreation a jagweed is a person that annoys you in any capacity for for no reason whatsoever other than the fact that you are so self-absorbed that you hate them mm. i think that'd be a good definition according to the parks and rec universe yeah, no, that was amazing. I did not expect you to have an actual I spent definition. A, I spent a lot of time using that. That's probably Tommy and I's favorite. Oh, the jagweeds. Anytime somebody cuts us off in traffic or we just get annoyed with life in general. Sometimes we call the people on the news the jagweeds. You know, it's a little better than calling them effers or that kind of thing. You know, we have a kid in the house. We have to make sure <laughs> she's picking up <laughs> on things. 
We got to show a little decorum around this place. After all, we're in Louisiana, the classiest state in the union. Do you think we <laughs> Pass me some more of that Boudreaux butt paste. What, what accent are you doing? Listen, it's a little New York. It's a little uh, little, little Columbia, a little uh, Yale Law School. No, it's all sorts of things. In short, I don't know. Somebody wearing Crocs. Yeah. I'm going to keep going on that. I'm, I'm, I'm cargo shorts. Do you both own cargo shorts? No. Not anymore. No. Okay. Well, you're both married, so I I mad respect for your wives. Yeah. She did. It's been a good twenty years since I've had a pair of cargo shorts. Okay, good, good. I just eradicated the last pair of Tommies. <laughs> what do you have against it? There's so much storage space. I. You want to know what I? <laughs> I'm sorry. Go no, no, on. no. Go ahead. You know what I really can't wait for is when the late '90s comes back in style. Uh, it's it's, it's getting close. I'm so excited. I'm like, yes, I can finally wear black shoes with with my jeans. It's again. getting close. Um, I, I, in Target right now, they have like this whole line of women's clothing that look like something out of the movie Clueless. Um, oh, we're getting so close. Oh, yeah, we're getting there. We're totally getting there. Um, you know, next thing you know, we're going to have those belt buckle clips for our phones back in style since that was like the early 2000s. You know, I am kind of bummed, though, that uh, I think the time of the v-neck is over with again yeah yeah i would agree i loved v-necks a deep v or just like a subtle v oh deep v, <laughs> deep v. as belly deep as you can go <laughs> as deep as like the holy spirit would allow it i'd i'd love a good love v-neck a good v-neck well hey like i actually i mean as, if your wife's okay with it it's totally acceptable oh no she's not oh, not in the slightest then. Like, so for, for like, um, Halloween, I think it was like three years ago, uh, we went as your, um, hipster cousins from Brooklyn. Oh. <laughs> and your hipster cousin. I like, from Brooklyn. I like cut like a deep, like V-neck into my shirt. And I was like, oh, this is so awesome. This is what I've always wanted to do. And I tried to wear it like after the fact. And Aaron was just like, absolutely not. Nope. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. <laughs> oh, Luke, you're trash. <laughs> Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Katie, do you have anything you need to plug? Um, I have a book. I have a couple books. You can go buy my books on my website, katieprajan.com. There you go. I'm sorry. I'm bad at self-promotion. And we have a new podcast called The Electric Waffle. And it's good. Hey, thanks. We are fans of it. We are fans. Thanks for having me um, on, guys. Are, I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, of course. No, I think you've, you've been a really um, good voice in all of this. So well, Thank you. Thank you guys for, for speaking out and for speaking up and for... Serving the church, Father Mike Schmitz and, and Luke. I mean, y'all are doing fantastic work. <laughs> <laughs> How good was his was his video? I cried multiple times. It was so multiple times. Oh man, I I try to not like contact other content creators when they make good stuff because it's just like I know how how like often you um like I don't want to be that guy mm-hmm. who was like yeah that was so good but like. I just it was worth it, yeah. yeah. It was so good. Jose, te- Luke isn't talking about you. You keep complimenting us, Jose. <laughs> I texted him the gif of um, of Dwight in the office looking up and just going, thank you, with, like, tears in his eyes. That was that was my <laughs> affirmation to him. We only really communicate through gifts, for the record. Yeah. The occasional rose photo. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I have heard now probably a dozen random people in the last two days being like well you know it's like what father mike said it's not time to leave it's time to leave <laughs> yeah it's very quotable <laughs> it is it is but it's great yeah that's the great line and so someone said to me how shall i lead 
Like, what, mm. what should I do? What's the next step? That's a good question. Patreon.com slash CF. <laughs> no, no. Buy no, my books no, on Amazon. No. No, Ascension Presents, you just type in Mike Gormley, and you'll see my hilarious video where I make fun of fussy baby boomers. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Baby, baby boomers. boomers. Baby boomers. Oh, Boomer, can I tell you what the first thing I noticed in that video? The okay, two old I men on the hard bench. Oh, my God. Of course. So funny. Men. I loved them. I was, like, waiting for them to, like, I thought they were part of the gag. Like, I thought they might be getting closer to you, or, like, eventually you might be, like, talking to them. I was waiting for it. Oh, that would have been awesome. They're just staring at you like, why is this guy on yes, camera? Yes, yeah. That was so good. Yeah, you know, but we had talked to them beforehand and told oh, them that they oh, were okay, coming. Oh, okay, okay. But they were just total park people. They're like, what the hell? Hey, Morty. <laughs> hey, Morty. What's going on? It was funny. I, my favorite part was I'm in the middle of recording this commercial in the middle of downtown Philadelphia, a public park. So there's two really high-quality cameras about three feet from my face, and they can't go anywhere but else. where were you staring? <laughs> Sorry, that's, a, that's from our Facebook page. So. I was I was supposed to stare in between the two lenses, but I definitely <laughs> preferred the top camera. And there are parts where it looks like I'm looking up into the distance instead of looking into the camera. <laughs> but um, they totally got those two guys in there on purpose because it was just perfect. Oh, I mean, they're, they're two right. old men oh, sitting on a park bench staring at. Oh, me. it was so good. It was so. Good. It was so funny. But uh, during this thing, it was so funny. These these. Uh, uh, these young Dominican women are like the the nurses. I talked with a couple of them. They're like, oh, yeah, we're all Dominicans. <laughs> uh, they were walking these elderly people uh, just around the park. So it's a big circle and all this stuff. And uh, this one woman, right when she got by our – I mean, we have, like, screens to block the sun. and all, So it's a whole setup. Mm-hmm. And uh, this lady goes – and what are they filming over there? <laughs> like so loudly. And the lady's like, her nurse is like, she's the one that we end up talking to. She's like, shh, shh, they're filming. And I was like, we'll just redo it. No problem. But uh, yeah, it took me like 15 takes to film that because it opens up with me saying, I'm a middle, middle class white guy who wants to tell you how to live your life. Yep. It's good. <laughs> it's really good. It convinced me and to look so- into the program. <laughs> you said those forgotten Gen Xers. I was just like, oh, yeah, the wonderful. forgettable Gen Xers. Yeah. So I said, uh, I've worked with high school students, college students, uh, socially awkward young adults, fussy baby boomers, and of course, the forgettable Gen Xers. <laughs> it is so funny because I critique my group and the other two older groups. I immediately get people being like, hey, what the hell? I'm not fussy. Or, hey, what the hell? We forgettable. Yeah. <laughs> like, immediately, like, everyone. Who are you? Yeah, that's what I, I'm sorry, huh? Did you say something? Homeless says what? I'm a... McCarrick, again, I just... McCarrick says what? McCarrick says what? I loved your one tweet that said, there is no cake, there is no, there are no candles, only McCarrick. Yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah. There is no cake, there is no ice cream, there is only McCarrick. Happy birthday. You're the most hyperbolic podcast on the planet. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. I think Matt, I, I listened to Matt Frads and Cameron Frads. Were they both, Cameron Frad opened up her podcast by saying, you know, I say things like, cry rooms are the devil. Maybe I take that a little too far. And then Matt, yeah, it's funny. It's funny. Um, to, to get back to your point about like, what can we do? No, Luke, I, I really no. Think- <laughs> oh, no, are we done? Okay, no, I'm just listen. kidding. I'm just kidding. Man. No, I'm sorry. I'll just back off. No, no. Now, uh, what were you gonna say? No, no, no. You gotta say it now. Say it, no, baby. No, no, no. no. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I just think real. I, I just am reminded of that quote of "Be profoundly who you are," and I think that means a church and a church. Like, I think one thing we could do is really take our cue from what a lot of Protestant 
churches do, how they do small groups, how they do like certain things, mm-hmm. like, and not like like the stuff that like um, gives life, like really, like steal the good stuff, you know, like be who we are, like like just be a church. That's all I want to say. Amen. That's how you leave. Patreon.com slash CF. <laughs> That's how you leave. Um, Patreon.com slash the electric waffle maker. Mm. We, we, you, we don't have a do? Patreon for the record. Go give it to these guys. <laughs> <laughs> yes. High five, Luke. We just have sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Listen, people just don't want to. Hey, we haven't cursed once on this episode, so. Uh, I said hey. jagweed, the appropriate curse That's word. <laughs> the only curse word to describe a church of McCarrick. <laughs> 